talking, mom's talking, just a couple of moms talking. Cage. Patty. What's happening? Patty, a whole lot. A whole lot is right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a week. A lot, a lot, a lot. You know what I mean? Yeah, we got we got things to talk about. We're yes. gonna try to keep it brief, but uh, we got a lot to cover. And so let's start with um, my my. Please explain to you. Last week was to tell me why people were talking about uh, John Hughes again. Yes. This is very nostalgic uh, assignment for me, Patty. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, you know, we grew up with these movies, right? We sure did. Yeah. Uh, looking at uh, John Hughes, his like IMBD and things like that. I yeah. didn't realize some of the movies he did do. Like he did all the vacation ones with Chevy Chase. Oh, I didn't realize that was him, too. Yeah. I didn't even, I didn't realize that. But, I mean, I think, speaking of why people are talking about him, first, interestingly, he died at 59. Yeah, I remember. He was kind of young, and he, like you said, he made a lot of movies. Now, was he, did he write these movies as well as direct them? Uh, He did not write them all, no. He did, he has some writing credits for some of his earlier stuff, and he has some, like, I, what do you call it when you consult on the script? I, I guess that's a producer, right? Yeah. They talk uh, about. I, I think joined, they can they yeah. they can label it in different ways. Yeah. yeah. So there was somewhere he has writing credits uh-huh. for some movies like Home Alone, but right. he de- and Home Alone Two and whatever. But he de- he did not write those solo. So interesting. But everyone thinks of those as John Hughes movies. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, basically, they were his his conception. You know, he conceptualized them and, and made them happen. So, and technically, I guess they're his. Gotcha. So, but what's going on in terms of modern day? Um, good old Molly Ringwald, which, boy, was she just like everything when I was like 14, probably. She was, she was like in every one of his teen dream movies she was the Um, it girl right everyone wanted to be molly ringwald oh of course 16 candles breakfast club um you know she she was kind of his muse in terms of like the ultimate teenage dream which you know it's kind of interesting because she's really not a stereotypically uh you know uh starring lady look which I was thinking about. Right. She's not. She's got freckles. Yeah. She and, was very relatable. And I think that's yeah. why he, you know. Yeah. He, she's kind of pretty, kind of cute. She's, she's not, pretty and pink. Yeah. She wasn't like stunning, beautiful, but she right. was, she was pretty. Yes. Um, well, she did. This started when she recently did um, an article in the New Yorker. Now, she lived in Paris for a very long time because mm-hmm. her husband was French, but now she's back doing some musical, like cabaret kind of style things. But she's become a force in the Me Too movement, talking about 
um, you know, roles in the 80s. And she said in this um, New Yorker article that many of these movies in light of Me Too, you know, and Time's Up um, were racist and, you know, misogynist. And that looking back now, she, you know, sees them in a different light. So, but you know, this was the period of those teen comedies like um, the Animal House, Porky's, Porky's Ridgeland, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. You know, it was all these fantasy male type movies. And so she does say, you know, she credits him because these stories were centered around her, the ones that she was in. And she was a young female, basically unknown lead when he you know, cast her in these. And so she does say, as far as that, um, that was a big deal for her. But um, she says his work can also be considered racist, misogynist, and at times homophobic. You know, they used the word fag, faggot a lot. They had, you know, very racist characters. Do you remember Sixteen Candles, the Asian character? Oh, yeah. Just a gross stereotype. Like when you watch it now, you're like, God, that's bad, you know? Right, right. Um, but that's yeah. the thing that's so interesting is how popular those movies were. And, you know, we, we today, the things that we find so offensive, we just, we laughed and we let it go over our heads at that time. I, I think yeah. it just shows how conditioned you are to what's normal, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. You know, she just talks about that successful teen movies in the 80s had, you know, these same type of stereotypical, you know, centered around the high school, bimbo, blonde, um, you know, that's sexually active before her time. And she's she is the male fantasy. He did um, the movie with. Oh gosh, the woman that is a robot. <laughs> gosh. Oh, Kelly. Her name was Kelly something. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. I'm trying to look for the title right now, but it's... And wasn't Anthony Michael Hall in that yes, one? Yes, he was well? another one of in a lot of his movies. So, um Yeah, you know, kind of the sex bot type thing. Yeah. Um I did watch that movie at the time and I thought it was okay, but I didn't relate to it as much as I did. Um, you know, in 16 Candles, she, the part that always bothered me personally about those movies was she had these great guys around her, like, um, Ducky, <laughs> Ducky, <laughs> 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 who was just, I, I just loved him. You yeah. know, I, I, he would have been my boyfriend in a second. I just thought he was the greatest. And then she goes for that jerk guy who's handsome and right and, you know, they're blowing out the candles in the end she gets the guy but she gets to keep the best friend too although she treats him like he's you know right but the guy that she got i mean that guy turned his girlfriend over to some other guy when she I was know, drunk she was and drunk. said have fun yep. yeah yep. creepy yeah and she does talk about that often you know the the hot chicks were drunk and being taken advantage of and that type of you know, um, kind of the the woman as the the piece. Yeah, there was a really weird social hierarchy, and I don't know if it still exists. It would be interesting to hear from young people about this. But um, 
Yeah, the in some ways, you know, the pretty, the popular girls were the girls who were most likely to be taken advantage of. It's it's almost something that yeah. played out in the Kavanaugh hearings when, you know, the girls that were invited to the parties um, right. were the ones that were being set up to be. They were the prize. Yeah. And, and yeah. I don't mean that, uh, you know, like Molly, like we said, Molly Ringwald's character was um, usually was very different. pretty, yeah. but not in a certain stereotypical way. Right. You know, she didn't develop early. <laughs> she yes. wasn't, you know, big boobs, long hair. No. I, you know, um, there was a certain stereotypical look. And um, those girls who seemed to be, there was just so much like, I feel like, um, you know, women were actually being divided by um, the standards that were being set by men. So there were the girls that were chosen by men, but they were chosen to be abused in many ways. And then the girls that were ignored, I mean, they almost were, were lucky, but they felt like they were being left out. And and then you see it played out in these movies where we're sort of indoctrinated into this idea that now, um, you know, Molly's character, she's accomplished something because now she's a she's been chosen by one of these guys who doesn't value women. (laughs) Yeah. Or he only values one woman at a time. And then when he's done with her, he passes her on to someone else. Yes. And and Molly Ringwald also talks about, you know, the the young boys, they're oversexed horny all they think about is getting you know the hot chick Mm -hmm. and how they're one-dimensional now i you know john hughes i'm writing from his teenage experience and then magnifying that for the screen right again just like you said that plays out recently and is applicable to kavanaugh's hearing too because you know whatever that is and that's the thing is that I think boys probably are oversexed and horny at that age. We have boys who are approaching that yes, age. I, I know about that. Yeah. But um, it's about how they interact with women that, that you know, defines who they are. And that's, yeah. I want to, I want to talk a little bit about him too in a, in a minute here. <laughs> yeah. You know, the, the one point that's been, talked about in terms of Hughes is if you remember the cute guy that that Molly Ringwald gets within 16 candles yeah and I'm saying cute because that's his role like I said I like I like the geeks better than the cool guys that's just been my style my oh I know um the geek you know he turns over his girlfriend and then he takes polaroids with her to have proof that he slept with her uh, and then yeah. when she wakes up in the morning with someone she doesn't even know that is anthony michael hall he asks if she enjoyed it oh anthony michael hall does yes yeah and she shakes her head in wonderment and says you know i have this weird feeling i did so that's just horrible <laughs> i mean i don't remember that i kind of remember that scene now yeah. that i'm thinking about it but Oh my gosh, Patty! That makes me want to barf. But every every male gets to have victory, right? The yes, the nerd way with her. Yeah, she was completely at his mercy. Yeah, and then no matter what happened to her, she has to just accept that because yeah. Remember that something really similar happened in Revenge of the Nerds, where they um, essentially took advantage of their enemy's girlfriend. And she yeah. fell in love with the nerds in the end, yeah. you know, which is, well, um, 
that's all well and good. Uh, you know, she probably would have been better off if she started with the nerds. But the problem is that she's not someone who no, no woman should be passed around. <laughs> it should be her choice. To yeah. Start with. And I think that's the point of John. That I'm talking about John Hughes is that, you know, that that was his 80s teen perspective. Um, you know, Kavanaugh's of that same era. He's of our era. Yeah. And, and uh, and that's why men are so furious now because of these, you know, they're sentimental for their high school years and yes, uh, they can't believe, they can't believe that that would have to be reevaluated and that maybe yeah. there was something wrong with that behavior. You um, know, he was also Ferris Bueller's day off. He did. Oh, is that John Hughes? Yeah, he wrote mm. that. And wow. he wrote Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. You remember that Steve Martin? Yeah, that was um, a good movie. And I, I love that. that movie. It's yeah. such a sweet, you know, it's just weird contrast, right? Yeah. yeah. But, well, I mean, I think he just, this is what happens when women don't have power in Hollywood and men are telling their stories for them in the same way that, yes. you know, people of color should be telling their own stories. And, you know, yep. everyone needs the opportunity to tell their own story because you can't, right. you can't know really what it's like and you can't be entirely sympathetic. Right. You know, you, yeah. can't, you can try and be a good ally, but, you know, until everyone has a chance to tell their story and we all have a better understanding of each other's perspectives, um, we should we should not be speaking, telling other people's stories for them. Yeah, but we don't need, you know, 40-year-old males telling us what it's like to be a teenage girl. <laughs> to be a teenage girl. Yeah. Maybe someone who's been a teenage girl should, should be telling that story. <laughs> it's interesting, though, because that genre is so different now. I don't... It is. You know, I, I mean, a know, lot... One show that's credited with really changing it is Buffy, the vampire yeah. slayer. Mm -hmm. That's been, you know, kids that grew up about 10 years after us was really a focus. And that's a totally different scenario. Yeah. She's but, a badass girl. Yeah. There's really, but she still falls for the bad boy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I don't know. It's really complex, but I think you're right. I think that's what it comes down to is, you know, women writing their own stories about their own experiences. Yeah. I will from, say... From their perspective. Yeah, I haven't seen this. Maybe this is a generational thing, though. Is um, Have you seen Eighth Grade? No. So this is a movie about an eighth grade girl, and it was written by a comedian named Bo Burnham. And okay. he's, like, kind of this prodigy. He's, like, 28 or something. And um, his... Um, his comedy is really, it's good, it's very sexual, but in a very millennial kind of way. And a lot of people have praised this movie. I've heard men and women say they liked it. So huh. maybe. Okay. Is so, this a Netflix movie or is it uh, in theaters? No, it's been in theaters. You could probably see it on Netflix now. Okay. I don't know. We should watch it to see if it's yeah if it makes a difference. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, we should give ourselves an assignment to watch it and see if our if our yeah. critique holds up. We'll see if it's on Netflix. Yeah. Um, listen, school in the 80s was, was interesting. We were we were 70s and 80s, so yeah. it's certainly different. You know, my high school experience was right in the 80s. You you were at the end of 70s, early 80s. So I graduated yeah. in 84, so yeah, right in the heart of it. 
Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah. See, my my high school experience was more of the ducky than was Molly Ringwald or, you know, and in Breakfast Club, I liked Judd Nelson. <laughs> he was oh, so well, he was the bad boy, though, and he wasn't really nice to her. He no. was kind of a jerk to her. He was negging her up yes. until they kind of got till they kind of hooked up. So, I mean, I didn't like him and the way he treated her, but I related more to him is what I'm saying. As as the outsider, yeah. As a high schooler, yeah. Because that was <laughs> that was my thing more than trying to be on the, with the cool kids. But right. anyway, interesting. He, he did, uh, especially Breakfast Club, really uh, pinpoint that stereotypical click experience that these kids, those kids, you know. Yeah, the high school hierarchy was very strong in the 80s. Like I said, I don't know that it exists oh, Patty, as much. Oh, it's still Is it still breathing. strong? Yes, man. Do I I hear about it every day. Yeah. Yep. Interesting. Yeah. Yep. So anyway, that was a walk down memory lane with a little bit of uh, introspection. So, uh, you know, one other thing that's interesting is Molly Ringwald, whose mother was very involved in her career, said that they refused to do some scenes. Interesting. That, that Hughes good. wrote for her. Yeah. Yeah. Because she they thought it was too racy. Yeah. That she was too young to to be doing things like that. So yeah. good anyway. For her. I'm glad yeah. her mom was there on you know on yes. her behalf. Yes, that makes a difference, doesn't it? Yeah. It's interesting because I do remember um like you said out this um these movies came out mostly when I was in college. Um, but I do remember Early watching. 80s, right? Yeah. Um, 80s, mid 80s. Yeah. Just kind of like. Um, I do remember watching it. And the thing that really stuck with me was, you know, sort of the romance of it. But now I. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I look back at it now and I'm like, oh, yeah. I, I will, you know. We were really dumb when we were watching that. As dumb as we were in high school, because I'm sure there's a lot of guys that we thought were so cool that we had crushes on, you know, that were just assholes. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Well, 1985 is Breakfast Club. 1985. Yeah, I was... 16 Candles, that's before that. It's not up on his uh, filmography right here, but I'm sure it's in here. A little bit before. So the other ones would have been... Early 80s. Yeah. So I was in college. But yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Huh. Well, in, in light of that, did you see the the whole him to meme that took off this past oh, week? So, Karen, it. it's so funny. <laughs> so there's so many things about this that are so interesting. Please, is this because uh, it has to do with Kavanaugh? Shamed because they did bad things. Well, no. There's this mother who posted a picture of her son. In oh, his, I do know about. Yes, yes, I did hear about that. Posted a picture of him in his sailor suit. <laughs> I think oh, it's. Um, I I don't even know if he was military. I think he's military and he's now going to school because he's a little bit older. Yeah. But um, she posted this picture and she said, "This is my son." He's wonderful, but he's afraid to go out on dates alone um, because, you know, because he doesn't want to be falsely accused of anything. Hashtag (laughs) him, too. (laughs) And so Sky was like, how about not doing anything? 
Well, he's, first of all, she's speaking out for him. He apparently was in the middle of taking an exam. and has been mortified. Yeah, he said his phone starts blowing up. And he's like, oh, my God, something horrible must have happened. So he rushes through the exam. He goes to look at his phone and his friends are like, we we thought you might want to know this was happening. And he was upset because he's like, this doesn't represent me. I'm not afraid to go on dates. And and by the way, now I'm never going to get a date. Thanks, Mom. Yeah, and and he said, this doesn't represent my beliefs either. How strange. He was really upset. Um, Apparently, his brother gave him a hard time about it, but also had a good posting about it. What a weird perspective. He has his mom. You know, I have three sons, and I just tell them don't do anything, and you'll never be, you know. Well, don't put yourself in a compromising position. This is the thing is what if you don't have confidence in the way you've raised your own sons, there's something yeah. wrong there. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just really maybe you need some help with parenting. Patty, maybe. it's those evil women. Yeah. Well, and the funny thing was that he it sounds like he is a good guy. I mean, we don't nobody's nobody's done a background check, but right. you know, he's he did the right thing. He asked his mom to take the post down. He said, this doesn't represent me. He actually it was kind of sweet. He said, with the notoriety that I'm getting, I actually want to, I'm trying to raise funds for my other brother who has cancer. And uh, would you yeah. contribute to this fundraiser? That's so cool. but there's something about, you know, we talked about um, after the election, these women who voted against Hillary. Yeah. Um, because they were worried for their husbands. And <laughs> yes. I think this That's is... A, I've been thinking a lot about that. Yes. Yeah. And this is another version of that, is women yes. who see themselves only as extensions of the men in their lives, and they're worried for their men. And it's like, when do you start to worry for yourself? And I would say I even see this among liberals. You know, I, I know women who were willing to go out and march for gun control because they're scared for their children, but they wouldn't go to the women's march and march for themselves. Yeah. You know, and it's like, yeah. not not that they're opposed to the women's march. It's just that they're not willing to put that little extra energy out there just for themselves. Like, we're so brainwashed into this... You know, a good woman is a selfless woman. She puts everyone before herself. But what these women don't realize is that if they don't start speaking up for themselves, they're hurting everybody. You know, we're Mm -hmm. uh, by letting these selfish men lead, you're destroying the planet for your children and your grandchildren. I was just going to say, including providing a poor example for your sons. You know, that's interesting. Because I see that how some woman would be, I'm not going to go march because it makes my husband uncomfortable. And then he's going to have to answer for my behavior. Right. You know what I mean? Right. There's some of that. And then, like I said, there's women who are they totally not concerned about what their husband thinks. They know he would support it, but they just can't get excited enough to do something that's just about that. Well, you know it what? It has to be about someone else. If they got there and they felt what it's like. Yeah. It, I mean, every time I go to one of these things, I'm crying the whole time. I, I know. I mean, no, granted, I'm menopausal. But anyway, yeah. so I cry a lot. But still, the feeling is just nothing I've ever felt before. It's this sweep of absolute support. Like, you feel right. you're being lifted. You know right. what I mean? Well, And just that feeling to me is just so incredible in light of what we hear every day and go through every day of yeah. just being pounded and pounded with 
negativity. Well, that's why I think it's so important for us. Um, you know, one of the things we wanted to do when we started doing this podcast, A, make ourselves feel better. <laughs> yes. But B, try and figure out, you know, how we can talk to other women like us, because no one else is talking to them. They're only criticizing them. Yes. And I feel like maybe we've kind of hit upon something that people could work with here, which is that you you can't just yell at them. You can't play to their fear. You have to help them understand that by um, putting themselves, putting women front and center, they're actually helping other people. You know, yeah, I mean, that's somehow, really important. Yeah. Yeah. And even and maybe you don't even talk about putting yourselves front and center. Maybe you really focus on helping this group of women, which is a swing group, you know, suburban white women, older white women, help them understand uh, that, you know, voting for liberals is what's going to help your husband and your son and your children and your grandchildren and your daughter and everyone that you put ahead of you by not exercising your own rights you're hurting them yeah and and by empowering women then women speak up when it happens and not 30 years later you know what i mean and then your son is protected because the people who are the culprits are being called out and not you know your innocent son and was he navy (laughs) yeah i'm not sure if he's actually in the navy or he just had a navy uniform on (laughs) okay it was halloween it was a halloween costume yeah it might have been i don't know he's a he was cute cute kid i'm sure he has no trouble getting dates and i I was just mortified say something like that so this poor guy now he's gotta (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah it's so insulting that she would do it's such a slap in the face in terms i mean i think to women and you know yeah, I mean, her son has to deal with kind of. But it just shows be- how, you know, she's just operating out of fear, obviously, you yeah. know, and we have to kind of we have to appeal to something other than just their fear. I don't know if you can ever get some of these folks away from Fox News long enough to do that. But uh, yeah, I do think uh, yeah. I, I will say that I'll just say one other thing, which is that um, I've been listening to this is all I'll, I'll segue into my yes. So I can mm. make this point, Okay, all which right. is that I've been listening to the podcast um, from Crime Town called the RFK Tapes. Have you heard mm-hmm. that one? I have listened to some. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's great as um as a true crime podcast, yes. but it's so striking just the little bits of history that they throw in there. And when they talk about RFK, now he is someone that has the same background as Trump, right? He's he's a prince. He was a prince. He came from, well, their fathers were both <laughs> associated with the mob. <laughs> Correct. But, yep. you know, they grew into American princes and um, were primed for power. Um Bobby was, um, you know, his brother practiced nepotism when he made him attorney general when JFK became president. Mm -hmm. Um, He also early on worked for Senator McCarthy during the McCarthy hearings. I mean, he worked for the worst in politics, but he learned and he changed and he showed the ability to grow and he became when he was running for president he was a champion for 
minorities, for immigrants. He considered them very important voting blocks. He went on, mm-hmm. you know, marches with the migrant laborers. Yes. Um, he went to ghettos to talk to people of color, um, yes. to primarily black audiences. and talk- Try to educate himself, yeah. And to talk to them about things that were important to them. When he was shot, I don't know if you remember this from the podcast, um, which is my yes, people go find it. It's really interesting. But when he was shot, um, he the day he came into L.A., um, he did not have a police escort from the airport because he knew the police had the LAPD had such I do a, remember this. Yes. Yeah. They had such a bad relationship with um African Americans in the city. Yeah. And to to Kennedy, that was a very important group of voters. Um so he didn't want to have anything to do with LAPD. The LAPD at that time they didn't use because they couldn't use the N word publicly, you know how they referred to black to black people in the city? No. They called them Democrats. Holy crap. So it just shows how little things have changed. The other thing that's so fascinating that we forget about a lot, and and the podcast investigates whether Sirhan Sirhan was the real killer or whether he was part of a conspiracy. But, you know, Sirhan was a Palestinian. And he said, eventually, he said the reason that he killed RFK was because um, he didn't like his support of Israel. So state of Palestine, right? Yeah. The more things change, the more they stay the same, right? I mean, we're still there. Yep. We're still there. The same issues today. But RFK, you, they, they do have some of his speeches that they include. And you listen to him talk, and he's not appealing to people's worst instincts. He's appealing to their best instincts. He goes mm, to... That's a great point. Yeah. yeah. That's opposite he, of what we have now. Yeah. We're constantly being slapped in the face about how stupid we are, right? Yeah. And how he, wrong we are. And yeah. He goes to speak to this audience of black voters, and they don't know that Martin Luther King has been shot and he has to tell them because they don't have cell phones oh at gosh. that time. And oh so gosh. he says, I'm going to deliver this. I'm only going to speak for a moment because I have some very bad news. And, you know, he tells them what happened and then he speaks oh. for a couple of minutes and he ends with a, a quote from Aeschylus. And mm. I, I mean, here is someone who he refuses to talk down to anyone. He finds an appropriate quote that everyone can understand and he lifts them all up with that with that approach instead of talking down to them appealing to their fear he's saying we're going to move forward we're going to find meaning in this and you're smart enough i know you can do it it's just Hmm. so so striking yeah so the reminiscent of obama at his best yeah definitely yeah and, and Bill and Clinton, because he did the same thing. You yeah. know, he's, people he, teased and said, oh, he's the first black president. He certainly came from a, and he was not a prince. He came from a very <laughs> impoverished background. Right. But, you know, he was not afraid to talk to anybody or go anywhere. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that, that's what made him special in terms of that. They said, you know, he could come into a room and relate to anybody from right. any, you know, Right. walk of life. I think he had uh, he had a different kind of charisma than Bobby, but I think the fascinating thing about Bobby Kennedy was his ability to change and to learn and 
develop empathy that, you know, that we certainly don't see in politicians today. So I forget how that relates to our... (laughs) Maybe it's what I was saying about how we... um, you know, we have to find, we have to no, stop movies, appealing movies to the lowest yeah. basest instincts and find a candidate that can really lift people up and talk to them about the best that we can be, the best that this country can Patty, be. Patty, we had one. Who's that? Hillary. <laughs> we had one, <laughs> but nobody wanted to listen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... She did that, but she people, did. you know, there people, is complicated. We've talked about it. We've beaten that dead horse. But yeah. anyway, to me, that's exactly what she did. I agree with you. I think that was her intention, but she wasn't heard. No. So hopefully whatever. people are enthusiastic. They're ready to listen. They're ready to work hard. And maybe maybe there's another Bobby Kennedy out there who won't, won't get killed this time. Here, here. Yep. Yeah. Nobody has risen to the top, have they? Um, <laughs> we have a lot of incredibly strong females coming to the you know forefront. Yeah, I let's, think let's once hope. we get past the midterm, we'll start getting a sense of who's who's yes. going to run. Um, yep. So, do you have an assignment for me for next week, Patty? I need to know this because we are coming quickly on this. Tell me the most important elections or states that we need to watch in november what what do we need to be looking at on the tv to know that things are going to change because <laughs> okay. on that day i told you i'm going to be quivering in a corner yeah and if things don't change i don't know what i'm going to do i'm going to need some therapy so i need to know okay tell me which states i need to be looking at what are the close ones that can turn the tide okay uh, okay yeah we, we can do that. We can tell you where to zero in. We'll be a week. I know there's some that are not so close. And I know there's some that are like really close flipped, could could flip. But I, I need to know what I need to be looking for. <laughs> All right. All, All right. right. We'll talk about that next week. Signs yes. of change. Um, yes. Yeah. Do you have a yes, no, or any? I do have a yes. Um, I had texted this in, in our sister chat this morning, that Michelle Obama, Day of the Girl. I didn't have long to watch the news this morning because I was headed off to work, but she was on the Today Show, and it was all girls, young women from all over the world. Um, and it was, you know, from Girl Scouts to girls clubs from Africa, you know, to Connecticut. And there was just hundreds of these girls on the plaza and um it was just really uplifting to hear her talk Uh, Um, we miss her just the stuff (laughs) you were saying about rfk that's exactly what she did you know instead of you know you have a voice find your voice you know the only thing we expect of you is to be the best that you can and whatever you want to do and just to hear a voice like that that girls respond to in that way. It's just so uplifting. So I just, I loved it. Um, I, I do see a change in young women. I, I've told you that, you know, I, I, I have the honor of working with a lot of women in their twenties and they just 
so passionate and powerful. And I was not like that in my twenties. You know, it took me longer to kind of come into my own. I mean, I had, I had a political mind and I wanted to be part of change, but they, they have this, um, deep passion for it. And I, I just love seeing young girls empowered like that. So, you know, it was really touching. And I just, like I said, I, I texted on her thread that I'm crying because she's so incredibly inspiring, but yet it still makes me so sad. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that we're, we're still, you know, that's what thing she said is we've come so far, but we're still here. <laughs> we're still telling girls they can do what they want to do. Yeah. Why are we still having to do that? So that was my yes. And then, um, my no just totally slipped out of my mind. Hold on. I got to <laughs> Oh, Patty, I have to have one more yes. Yeah. Okay. okay. Uh, Taylor Swift. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So yep. Finally spoke up. This is incredible. After she said register to vote, over 240,000 people registered to vote. Wow. It was that many? I, mean, I heard 60,000. That's it's, incredible. Well, it has kept going up. Now, who wow. knows what could actually be credited to that because we are coming into elections anyway. But right. I'm just that, there you go. A voice of a young woman. Yeah. You know, who has a passion. Yeah. So, People have but, been waiting for Taylor to speak up, and I know some people are mad that her it took her so long, but hey, she did it, and... Well, she's had her own issues. You know, she had a harassment suit, too, that she... T- we had talked about that, that she right. took to court. Right. And I the guy stuck his hand up her skirt while she's standing at a PR event. Right. I mean, come on. Yeah, and she so. took him, she sued him and won. Yes. Yeah, we did talk about that. Yeah. Um... Yeah, so like, it's weird that she hasn't spoken up before now. I don't know what her thing is where she doesn't she doesn't want to be political at all. But um the point is she did it now and we should yes. we should say thank you. You did the right thing Absolutely. and you're super a person with a lot of power to wield. So thank Absolutely. you for using it in the right way. Yeah. Agree. And then my no, I had a couple things right now, but my no has to be this crazy cartoon-like conference that Kanye did with Trump today. <laughs> Patty, I I was watching... Yeah, that's not ours, baby. Sorry, the car, car alarm was going on outside. Huh. My little one was like, what's that? Um, it was the strangest thing I've ever seen in my life. I didn't watch it. I, uh. I watched about five minutes and my mouth was just hanging open. Like, what is happening? Two insane people. <laughs> I mean, and not just saying that, but Kanye has admitted he has mental health problems and he is off his medication. Yeah, and that's not good. The president has time to sit with that guy, but he doesn't have time to sit and listen to, you know, women who have admitted and talked about and testified to, you know, uh, problems in the workplace. He doesn't have time to hear women talk about issues of reproductive rights Oh, he doesn't have, you know, time to sit and talk to people about children's issues or, you know, anything else. But he can sit with Kanye with 50 reporters around. Yeah, of course. Of course. Well, he's a narcissist. So. Well, they both are. And that was, it was the, uh, Patty, that you could show that in a psych class in college and you could have (laughs) the best lecture based around that exchange it was the strangest thing so that was my no and i'm kind you know i'm not gonna get down on reporters because they're they're doing everything they can in this bizarre time but 
why did we cover that so extensively? And why did we give them know. so much power? I don't know. They shouldn't cover it. It's a waste of time. Oh. Anyway. Well, so that was my no. I have a quick no, you? which is, um, you know, Aziz Ansari is back on tour. And um, huh. I've always kind of been a fan of Aziz. Um, I thought maybe he got a raw deal when he got hit with the Me Too story about um, the woman who said he pressured her to have sex, but then he called her a cab and sent her home. And um, a lot of people have made a good point, which is that, you know, despite the fact that that certainly doesn't equate to Harvey Weinstein behavior, that's actually a very useful story for your average guy because it does help him understand the importance of really... Um, looking for clues, talking to your potential partner, understanding that, you know, she may not be expressing the, exactly the way she feels. I know it's super confusing for dudes. <laughs> um, yeah. But the problem is that now that he's back on tour, he's he's talking apparently in his shows about the evils of extreme wokeness and you know like he's saying uh, obviously Mm. he feels like he was victimized by over wokeness (laughs) interesting and i guess i'm just sad that instead of you know taking the opportunity to say hey you know i'm i thought maybe that was a little overboard but i learned something from it and i hope other people will learn something from it he's kind of lashing back in a way that seems immature and counterproductive and so i'm kind of bummed about that I, i'm really kind of sick of this boohoo thing you know what i mean yeah I, I, and it's the same thing you said women are always taking responsibility for their part you know what i mean yeah but and but men are constantly complaining <laughs> it's <laughs> like yeah you got held accountable for something crappy that you did yeah. you know i mean Boo-hoo. I mean, that happens all the time. Learn something from it. Be humble. And, you know, do do the right thing. Just sit down. Yeah. Nobody's calling you Harvey Weinstein. Exactly. You wouldn't have had a problem at all if you were perfect. So figure out what you can do better. Yeah. Um, And, you know. Don't you don't don't turn on people and say, you know, let's stop trying to be so woke. <laughs> I know. How insulting is that? Ladies, sit down. Don't get so angry. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. One in projection there, Patty. I did do a little bit of activism, very small, because um I was I have been watching this series on HBO. It's only a three season thing called The Deuce. Oh well. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. What's his name is my least favorite person. Yeah, James Franco. Yeah. Okay. Now that's why, Patty, I am no longer another. Now he's had his own share of the Me Too stuff, right? Right. Missy Phillips, who I like a lot. Yeah. She now again, she has a new show, so the timing's a little, you know. I guess I think it's just because she's doing more interviews. She was on Freaks and Geeks with him, you know. Yeah. And she is now saying that he was horrible on that set, sexual. You know, yeah. she used said he made moves on people, made horrible jokes. Yeah, you know, was offensive, rude to women. You know the whole deal. So anyway, I took it off my list to record. <laughs> Good, I'm not support. <laughs> Thank that was you my for tiny doing that. Little, 
Yeah. There's been enough about him that I'm just like, uh, it's gross. He's it's creepy. To watch. I always yeah. had this feeling about him that he was kind of creepy. And then the stories came out about how he runs this acting school and the yes. payoff for being his student is that you get to play strippers in a bar in his movies. That's and disgusting. Yeah. yeah. He obviously does not think very much of women because it's not like he's creating great roles for them. No. Yeah. And then apparently pressuring some of them to go topless and yeah. It's just weird. So anyway, that was my small thing I did this week. Now, let's hear your yes. Oh, I gave you my yes. My yes oh, you're no, was you're no. um, the RFK tapes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah. I will say at the risk of going long that there's related to Aziz. So when he made his series Master of None, which I really liked, um, his partner is a guy named Alan Yang who... Um, is kind of behind the behind the scenes. He's doing. He is directing this um, Amazon series called Forever, and it stars um, Maya Rudolph. Okay. And um, Fred. Oh, I did see yeah. her promoting that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um. And what's his name? Oh, I love him, and I can't think of his last name. All of a sudden. Yep. Um, I know who I picture his face, and I can't say it oh either. My God. Fred, Fred Armisen. Duh. Yes, 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 um, yes. Yeah, so talented. Character um, actor, yeah. Um, it's very sweet. It's very quirky. But I will just say that I was thinking as we, my husband and I were watching last night, and I was like, it is so nice to see a show starring a woman with a normal mm-hmm. body. Yeah. And, um, you know, she looks like she's had children. <laughs> yeah. And she is the love interest. She's the focus of the story. She is beautiful, but uh-huh. she is not your traditional, you know, um, she's got freckles and she hasn't had them removed and she's not, yep. she's not, you know, 60 pounds and she's um, mixed race. Yep. She is mixed race. So yep. um, I totally recommend the show. It's super, um, it's super okay. interesting. It's super clever and, and. We haven't gotten all the way through it, but it's just key. every episode ends with a really interesting twist. But most of all, I recommend Maya because she's awesome. I and so I'm so smart. glad that, yeah, yeah she's like starring in these okay. shows. Yeah, and that, promoting that. I'll check it yeah, out. Yeah, that, that women now, there are outlets where they don't have to be ruled out of starring roles because they had a baby. <laughs> you know, and they're, exactly. They don't weigh five pounds anymore. So, Yeah, um, I do see that changing. A little bit. More yeah, than it's nice. Definitely. Yep. Yeah. yeah. All That's right. Positive. Patty, well, another week, another change of the nation. <laughs> What's going to happen next week? Oh, I'm going to have my work cut out for me. Maybe we'll record with Mega Mom next week. Yes, we'll be on our family trip together. You'll be bonding a lot with me. (laughs) (laughs) Are you ready for all that? I'm very excited. Okay, I can tell in your voice. Ready Ready for the bonding. (laughs) We're going to have our hands full taking care of the moo-moo. Yes, we are. Definitely. And Patty, not too much laughing. Nope. We got to be very serious. (laughs) All right. All right. Bye, Patty. Love you. Have a good week. Love you. Talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.